Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, we've got a lot of help in the form of Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, who's back with us as promised. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning. Uh, a little, it was a little cooler than the last week. Just when a you were little here. bit, yeah. yes. And a little bit of snow, too. However, that's not going to keep our Lawn and Garden Show, our Smart Garden Show, from uh, being on the air. And you, you uh, as a listener, will be driving the show as usual. As usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, call Teresa or send Teresa a text. And you know we tend to get busy, so don't wait. Uh, 651-989-9226 or send a text, if that's easier, 81807. You and I were talking uh, before uh, the show got underway about... Um, well, we've had snow since you were mm-hmm. here last. Yep. And what what, what can we do? I mean, I, I was hoping to get rid of more leaves. Well, you probably can't get rid of a lot of leaves now. You have to wait for the snow to melt. Yes. But what you can be doing is go walk across your yard and see how frozen the, the soil is. If the soil is really frozen, um, that means it feels like concrete when you walk yeah. on it. Um, if you want to rake, you could. Um, otherwise, uh, if this is the time you need to put down winter mulch, if you winter mulch anything, which is a mulch that protects newly planted plants. So any plants you planted this year that are perennials or trees or shrubs, you want to give them a little winter mulch. Make sure the mulch doesn't touch the trunk or the, the, the trunk of the trees or branches or or shrubs. Um, make sure you have your bunny protection up, oh, yeah. your deer protection up, um, you know, clean out your pots. If you're going to put spruce tips in them, you may want to bring your pots inside where the soil can thaw out. Sure. So you can put your spruce tips in. Um, and just uh, get your shovels ready and, and be ready. And on that warm day when we have a little more warmth, uh, get out there and put up your holiday lights if you're going to do anything like that. Um, you know, and, and if the ground's not frozen yet, continue planting your tulip bulbs and everything. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So do, yep. you yep. can still have something to yep. do. Anyway. And if you have a veggie garden, make sure you've cleaned it up nice and well right down to the soil and then put a, a layer of leaves over the soil so you don't have bare soil out there. All right. Very good. Yep. Things to do. Things to do. And if you are cutting back your perennials, leave the stems about two feet tall if you can. A lot of those stems are hollow and there may be... Um, Bees that have nested in there. Oh, really? And so, so we need mm. to leave those those little native pollinators a place to live. It's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Again, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. There is a line open if you want to uh, fill it or text eight one eight zero seven. Ron is calling from Minneapolis with a question. Go ahead, Ron. Morning, Ron. Good morning. Um, I'm helping a friend uh, wrap about a dozen small uh, evergreen trees and shrubs. Mm-hmm. 
and they're they're on the north side of a tall building, so they won't be exposed to any sun, mm-hmm. but a lot of wind and mm-hmm. some snow. Um, some I'd like to know some basics, and specifically, do they need to be wrapped around uh, with two layers, or doesn't that, that matter? Uh, just one layer will work. What you're just trying to do is break the the impact of the wind and protect them if any um any salt or anything is going to be thrown at them if the, if that's if that's an issue but you just want to protect that you just want to break that wind you don't want to bundle them up so tight that that they get too warm cuz they're near a building you don't want that you just want just to break the wind a little bit make sure you have watered them that's even more important than wrapping them Make sure they've been watered until the ground is just about frozen. You want to keep watering them. So if the ground's not frozen, you may want to give them all one more big drink. Um, that would be good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Teresa, there, uh, a texture says, chives are taking over my garden. How do I get rid of them? Okay, that's really super easy. Eat them. Okay. And also, <laughs> as soon as they bloom, um, take those beautiful pink, purple flowers and throw them in your salads Throw them on your sandwiches, and you will never have more chives in your yard than than that. Um, they they do self seed quite easily, but all you gotta do is pop those little little blossoms off, and you're not gonna have anything. You don't even have to wait till the blossoms have opened. You can actually take the little buds off, throw them in some vinegar, maybe some balsamic balsamic vinegar. Let them sit for a week or two, and then you almost have like a little caper, like a little pickled bud. That's really interesting mm. to throw in a salad too, which is a wonderful way to control your garlic chives. That's usually the one that people have problems with. Okay. Um. But yeah, just don't let them go to seed. That's all you have to do. They're they're not they don't sucker they don't run roots underneath the ground they don't do anything like that they just self seed quite prolifically prolifically and that's all you have to do and eat them now you have we have mentioned this for quite some time but you have put together a book some time ago mm-hmm. recently yes and it's titled the guide to humane critter control okay yes and that's kind of related to this next text mm-hmm. i'm reading uh, can you please talk about na- nature nature plants to repel mice Oh yes, things uh, mice don't like things like peppermint. Yeah, um, and that uh, that bonite stuff that we use, that mouse magic. Oh, mouse magic, that's yeah, that's really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, peppermint's a wonderful thing. Um, ants and mice don't like peppermint, uh, so so that's a wonderful thing to use. Um, so, so that would work. Uh, they don't really like alliums and and um, onions and things like that, but the peppermint is even better at repelling them. Okay, yeah. good idea. By the way, our friends at By the Yard sponsor this show every week, and we do appreciate that. By the Yard makes the best patio furniture in the whole world. And we'll talk more about mm-hmm. that uh, as we move through the uh, Smart Garden Hour here. Welcoming your calls and your text messages. Let me grab another uh, text, and then we'll get back to the phones. If the temperatures get back in the 40-plus range, can you still put in tulips? Isn't that what you said You before? can put in tulips as long as you can dig the soil. Right. It doesn't even have to be above freezing. Um, I've put in tulips in snowstorms. It's not the most fun, but you can do it. As long as the ground's not frozen, you can put tulips in. Mm-hmm. Okay. So please plant lots and lots of tulips. The bunnies and the squirrels will be so happy next year. <laughs> All right. Marge and Blaine is on the phone with a question. Go ahead, Marge. Hi, Marge. Good morning. Yeah, I have a question about... My linden tree, I had all, the lawn was raked completely clean a week or so ago, and now the linden tree dropped a, a, a layer of leaves all over the grass in the backyard, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that will kill the lawn if I don't get, I have no way to rake them right now, right. there's snow all over them too. You know, it's only going to kill the lawn if you leave it sit on there in the spring, 
and don't like carefully rake it up. Uh, a lot of that will blow off in the in the winter. Um, this it'll melt with the snow. It'll be with the snow. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, it's there's not much you really can do at this point in time. But actually, uh, a one small layer of leaves is not going to kill your lawn. You'd have to have a little thicker layer, maybe two or three or four inches, and leave it sit out there for a season. So over the winter, that would be fine. Just just um, carefully rake it up early in the spring, um, as soon as the ground thaws out or dries up a little bit. And your grass will be just fine. All right. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, Marge. Dorothy is next on CCO. Dorothy, we're listening. What is your question? Hi, Dorothy. Good morning. I have a raspberry patch that's close to some maple trees, and I get a lot of leaves in the raspberry patch. This year I didn't get them raked up. Is it better, or is it okay, I guess I should say, to, to leave the raspberries covered with leaves over winter, or should they actually really be picked up? Oh, I'd leave the leaves out there. Leave them? Yep. The only thing with leaving the leaves that are fall, that have fallen already, and this also pertains to the previous caller, is because the ground is not frozen yet, you're creating an area where the voles and mice might want to live, and then they could do some damage. But other than that, don't, I wouldn't worry about it. The The raspberries will appreciate the extra little bit of cover. Um, probably the all the worms and the microbes will help decay some of those leaves over the wintertime, so it'll add a little nutrition to the soil, and raspberries are heavy feeders, so it'll be good. All right. Thank you, Dorothy. 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. Or uh, if you'd rather send a text to Teresa, 81807. Sheila is calling in from Forest Lake, uh, Teresa, with a question. Go ahead, Sheila. Good Hi, morning. Sheila. Hello. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I have a cabin up near Emily, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. The ground up there in our area is extremely sandy. Mm-hmm. This past summer, our neighbor lost several trees from a storm that basically took everything down along the lot line. And so there's really no privacy anymore. Mm -hmm. So I am looking for suggestions of what I could put up there. And they agree that we'll do trees versus any type of a fence or anything like that, Mm -hmm. or some type of of bush. Mm -hmm. Um, What would grow quickly that would provide some privacy? Um, And I will, um, I'm thinking maybe arborvitaes, but um, I will hang up and listen for okay. any suggestions. Sounds Thank good. you so much. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, veer away from the arborvitaes unless you want to feed the deer. Deer love arborvitae, and they will eat them to nothing in the wintertime. And unless you need that, that winter... Um, the winter privacy, go with something deciduous. So I would first of all suggest a book called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. You can get that online for free. And there will be some um, uh, plants for sandy soil. So think about things like maybe... um, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, think, think about some ornamental grasses because they'll be up and they'll be bigger than a lot of your shrubs for a little while. And then you can always move them out. The deer aren't going to bother those. And just having a row of ornamental grasses will give you a sense of privacy. It, it just makes your eyes stop. It's kind of a human thing. Where our eyes just stop there and they don't often go beyond. Then think of things like dogwoods. Um, service berries, the amelanchiers, things like that that are native plants, even maybe some hazelnuts, um, uh, some uh, witch hazel, things like that that are native, and do a nice little um, shrub area. And You know, it only has to be 15, you know, 10, 15, 5, 10, 15 feet tall. It'll give you a sense of privacy, and just having those shrubs there um, interspersed with some native grasses can really be a wonderful um, boundary between your two yards and quite a nature, bringing lots of nature in the birds and everything like that. It'll really add to your landscape and and be native, so you don't have to worry if it's not going to make it. And you know, add compost every year and leave the leaves where they lay. 
All right. Very good. Okay. Teresa, we need to take a quick break. We okay. have more show to come. Uh, we have uh, callers. We have textures, and we'll get to it here on Smart Garden on News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show here on 830 WCCO. Danny Long here with the Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney, helping you out by phone and by text as usual. And as I mentioned off the air, Teresa, we have a bunch of both calls and texts. We uh, get to it. I love you gardeners that are like 24 7, 52 weeks a year. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Adele's calling from Brooklyn Center. First up, Adele, what's your question for Teresa? Hi, Adele. Uh, good morning. I, I have a big garden and I mulch all the leaves and mm-hmm. grass and stuff. But I also have a, um, a black walnut tree. Mm-hmm. And I know black walnut roots will kill certain plants. Mm-hmm. What about <clears throat> what about the leaves and the twigs? Can they be mulched in the garden or should they be uh, I would them out? say no. The juglone, which is the chemical that inhibits and kills plants, goes throughout the entire tree. It also actually will, when the, when it rains, the rainwater has juglone in it. So as the rainwater drips off of the leaves, it also brings juglone down um, to those plants underneath the, the tree. So I would say do not compost those leaves. Um, you know, get rid of them. Or if you're going to compost them, compost them in such a way where you're putting them only on plants that can handle the juglone. And there are plants that can handle it and don't mind it. But don't mix them with your regular plants like your veggie gardens because it'll kill your tomatoes. Texter wants to know, we planted a magnolia tree last spring. Does it need winter protection? Yes. What you want to do is make sure that you've watered it well going into the fall. I would probably give it a little uh, root protection, um, some leaves around the, the base of the plant. And then I would protect it from bunnies and deer in case they want to nibble on it during the wintertime. That's the protection that I would give it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the phones we go. Jean is calling from Kenyon, Minnesota. Jean, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, Jean. Yes, good morning. What a beautiful day with the sun shining so bright. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about my newly identified beacon apple tree. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I was told that it has a fungus. Okay. And uh, should be treated or it will get worse. Okay. Did they say what kind of a fungus was? Was it apple scab? No, they didn't. Okay. Uh, they they no. really need to identify it for you, whether it's like um, fire blight, which will kill your tree, or whether it's like apple scab, which will just defoliate the tree. So you first of all, and, and you know, there's all kinds of diseases that trees can get, especially apples. So you really need to identify it first. And then I, what I would do is um, whoever identified it, they should be able to give you a treatment program, what you should be treating it with and when you should treat it. And as soon as you know what it is, you can also go to a local farmer, a local garden store, and go to look at, um, say, it'll be called fruit tree spray. And you can open up the little page, and it'll tell you for this disease or this fungus or this problem, you spray this tree at this time, this time, and this time, or whatever you have to do. So then you can kind of check on whether you're getting good information. But first of all, you need to know what disease or what fungus it has. So that's the most important thing. So just saying it has a fungus um, is not specific enough. You really need to know what it is. And good luck because the beacons are quite interesting. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Gene. Uh, We'll take a break in in a moment. We have another half hour of the show to go. A texter says, should uh, ornament grasses be cut back? Um, I would leave your ornamental grasses up if you can. They provide wonderful winter interest. They whistle in the wind. They, They rustle. Um, they provide shelter and some even some food for birds. There's nesting insects uh, for your uh, like the the um, 
little blue stem. That's where our skippers can nest all winter long, our little butterflies. So we want to leave those up if possible. Lots of them stand up. Some of them will fall down in the snow. It's not a big deal. But that's one reason to grow the ornamentals because they are a four-season interesting plant. All right. Very good. Uh, Teresa, we'll take a quick break here. Again, we have another half hour of the show to go. You want to call in your lawn or garden question or send Teresa your text. Either one will accept. And welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show brought to us uh, every week by our friends at By the Yard down in Jordan, Minnesota, the best patio furniture your money can buy. Uh, we have uh, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, helping you out uh, again this morning. We're appreciative of that. You know, what we haven't mentioned is the university website. Exactly. Yet. Extension.umn.edu. It's a great place to get all your gardening information. So Yard and Garden Line is what you tick on there. Um, and also, uh, again, that book that I mentioned earlier, The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. Really good. You can get that. You can download it for free. There's all different kinds of pages in there uh, for for areas, steep slopes, over septic systems, dry shade, sunny plants, the shorter tree or smaller trees, lots, you know, deer resistant plants. So all different kinds of things you can Very detailed get some idea. And it's all done by Master Gardeners of yeah. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, yeah. great idea. We, we might mention that before yep. you leave mm-hmm. us uh, today. All right. Let's grab some phone calls and some text messages. Dennis. Is calling from Golden Valley, I believe. Good morning, Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Good morning. Um, I was wondering, do you recommend wrapping arborvitaes or not for the winter? Uh, I never have, and they always struggle, you know, with heavy snowfalls. I always have to clear them off. Mm-hmm. Plus, a new thing is happening. I'm some of the and get the tree. Some of the branches are turning brown, and they easily fall off just by touching them. Is that a concern? Um, it is a concern. Uh, what you want to look at with your arborvitaes and all your evergreens is you want to make sure that you've watered them until the ground's frozen because they will be losing moisture all winter long. You also have to look at where they're located. Are they the right plant for the right place? If they're going to get a lot of snow and salt thrown at them, you can wrap them or even just put up a, a like a fence of burlap so that slows that snow or or salt down. You also want to consider, are they in a very windy location so the winter is going to give them a wind burn? Or are they on the south side of your house where it gets really hot in the, in the wintertime? And yes, it gets hot out there. So then they come out of dormancy, they lose even more moisture, and then we get cold again. So they run out of the moisture in their roots faster. So you have to look at all of these different things, and then you also have to look, do you need to protect them from rabbits and deer? So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, it if, the, if something has changed, then you want to look. Maybe they're not getting enough water, so will wrapping help? Just a, a little light wrapping may help them. Um, it may not. It, it, the water is the most important thing, and I just can't say that enough for the evergreens because they'll look fine all winter, and they come out of winter dormancy, and all of a sudden they browned up. That We saw that a lot last winter, last spring. All right. So good Very luck. good. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, Dan's calling in from Prior Lake, and then we'll grab some text messages. Go ahead, Dan. Thank you. Hi, Dan. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Enjoy your show. Um, real quick question. I have a uh, white birch tree that two summers in a row, it has had infestations with Asian beetles, and I've been able to spray it and get the kill for the season. But I'm wondering, is there anything you can do to prevent that from reoccurring. So I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Uh, okay. Um, now, if you're getting like ladybugs up there, they're probably eating aphids, which is a good thing. So um, if that's what you're seeing, I don't know that I'd spray for them because they would be eating all the aphids that then could impact 
impact your your birch. Um, however, if you mean Japanese beetles, that's a totally different story. And and I would suggest that you go to the arbor uh, to the arborvitae to the extension website and and look at how you want to treat your birches and and what kind of products you can use. Um, extension.umn.edu and click under Japanese beetles. So you want to make sure you've identified the insect properly, whether it's like the orange ladybug. That's a good thing. I wouldn't spray for those. Or the really pretty shiny green coppery colored a uh, Japanese beetle, which you may not want, and then you may need to treat it because um, it is hard on the plants to lose their leaves every year and have to, to have to re relief out. But um, there's not much you can do when it's a big tree either. You have to decide if you're going to treat it or what you're going to do. You don't want to stress it every year, but you know then you want to wonder how much how are your chemicals that you're going to put in the ground and with the treating of the trees. So first of all, identify the right insect. Mm-hmm. And an arborist might help in that an case too. An arborist right? would help. Yep. Or even just going online and with the with the university website, yeah. you'd be able to see right away that oh, that's what I'm seeing out there, and they're good or they're not so good. All right. Texter says this. I just received in the mail an eastern redbud sapling from the uh, Arbor Day Foundation. I ordered it last spring. Can I still plant it? Well, I would I would get it in the ground as soon as possible. Uh, it's easier, probably going to do better outside than in your house. The eastern red buds, they might not be so hardy here. We do have a Minnesota strain, and that's the one I would have suggested, but the Arbor Day people just send out what they have. So put it in a protected area, protect it from critters, and make sure you water it. And once you get it planted, then as the ground starts to freeze, maybe build a little uh, cylinder of... of, um, chicken wire and just fill that up with a bunch of maple leaves or a bunch of oak leaves to give it extra protection all winter long. Good luck. Texter says, please clarify for native bees, should I or should I not cut down my dead bleeding heart, flocks, etc., uh, stalks or leave them intact for the winter? I would leave them intact, mm-hmm. especially if you see that they're hollow. I would leave them intact. If you want to cut them down to like one and a half, two feet, that's fine. And then just leave them up, um, let the plants come up next year around them, and, and just let them go like that. That's what I would do. Another text says this, uh, Teresa, I have uh, four large commercially created hanging baskets. I've moved them inside, would like to keep them living, but boy, did they take a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Should watering them quite regularly, and they look nice, your advice, please. Thank you. For yep, a great show. Keep- Keep watering them. Um, if they're still flowering, if they're getting enough light, make sure that you're giving them maybe half-strength fertilizer uh, once a week. But do keep watering them. You will find that in your house with our low humidities in the house and the forest air heat or whatever kind of heat you're running in your house, they are going to dry out a lot. So you're going to have to really water a lot. And, uh, you know, outside in the summertime, the humidity is, you know, 60 and 70%. In your house, it's 35 40%. And and so it's really a lot harder on plants. So do keep watering them, and good luck, because that's that can be quite impressive if you can keep those growing. Teresa, I just noticed there was a uh, follow-up, actually a couple of uh, from the same texter. Mm-hmm. I read that, uh, that uh, also, should I trim them back to what point also in the past with geraniums? I know that I put them down in my unheated fruit room in my basement, let them go dormant, which seems like they dry right up. Then I just put them back out the next year. It's kind of run together sentences mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. salt. Yep. 
So so do do cut them back. You can cut your hanging baskets back a little bit because you probably don't have a huge house for them. You probably have a regular size house for them. Go ahead and trim them back. They'll they'll start leafing out again. They'll start growing again and be a little thicker. If you want to put your geraniums down like you've always done them, you store them downstairs. Do just check though in the in the cooler area. Maybe you spritz them with water once or twice, once a month. Give them a little spritz of water if they're drying out too much. Some people do, however, just take their geraniums out of the containers. Brush off most of the dirt and the roots, throw them in a paper bag, and put them in a cool location. And they survive all winter just fine. You bring them out and, and bring them back to life in the spring. This texture says this, chives and creeping Charlie complement each other. Yes, they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so we did get a creeping we Charlie. We did get a creeping. Thank comment, you for that. <laughs> we hope for those 52 weeks a year. What is the best way, Texter wants to know, to repel moles out of our yard without killing them? Uh, the castor oil will be a repellent, and that's what you're going to find for a lot of the, the molex and things like that is castor oil. Again, those moles are there. They're eating the bugs. They're eating the grubs. So they're kind of protecting your yard. You probably only have one. They can dig, you know, 250, 500 feet a night, so they do a lot of digging. However, they can really wreak havoc in oh, your Oh, boy, yeah. can they yeah. ever. They can. but so, so they're there because the food's there, and once the food is gone, they'll be gone. They'll head over to the neighbors who then has food. Otherwise, um, the castor oil is something that'll work. Good morning, Tester says. How do I winterize my rhododendron, uh, rabbits, and deer? I covered it last year with a large plastic garbage can but didn't do well. Yeah, it probably got too hot under there. Uh, what you can do, uh, bird netting works really well. Chicken wire works really well. You can even use the floating white row cover, the remay stuff, and just, just use that. If you're going to cover it with the the plastic container, either cut the top off of it or cut a whole bunch of holes in it because it gets really hot in those plastic containers in the wintertime. Even just a little sun, you would be amazed. It can get, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 degrees in those things. Same thing for your roses. So you want to make sure that that heat can escape because you don't want to cook your plants inside. Another text says this, Teresa, if it gets warm enough to melt snow this week, is it still too early to dormant seed my lawn? No. Go ahead. No, you can dormant I'm going to do that very mm-hmm. thing myself because yep. we, yep. we should have famous last words. <laughs> we should have some uh, snow melt. This is on. Minnesota. Anything never possible. Know. Yeah, it's supposed to get 40-ish, uh, you know, for a, a minute or two later on in the weekend. The week, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A grooming question. Five different types of trees and shrubs, pin oaks, Korean lilacs, white pear, silver maple, and ash. I have all five that are in need of trimming back. Uh, low-hanging branches, and I'm wondering if any of those should be or safely can be pruned now or when they should be pruned. Well, you know, it's not the best It's not the best time for any of those. If you want to wait till this, the plants have gone completely dormant and the ground is frozen, then you can go ahead and prune them back. Um, understand that the lilacs have set their flowers for next year, so anything you're pruning off, you're cutting off flowers for next year. So I would wait until the ground is frozen. If you can wait until later in the season, January, February, March, that's even better. January, February is even better. Um, again, with the understanding the lilacs, you're cutting off the flowers. If there's just one or two branches that you just need to cut off for the season, go ahead and cut those one or two branches off. Um, don't touch the oak, though, until 
uh, in the middle of winter. That one would be the one I would worry about the most. The other ones I think you could probably prune um, fine and safely. But again, we're just at that time where they're trying to go dormant. You don't want to confuse them. So don't be cutting because that, again, causes chemicals that may say the tree should be growing here. And you just don't want to do that at this time. Okay, very good. We need to take a quick break, Teresa. So hang on. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney in our Smart Garden Show today, helping you out. We'll get back to the phone calls and text messages. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney. You and I were talking about um, uh, the uh, winter uh, markets, farmers mm-hmm. market yep. kind of. But yep. you can find some master gardeners. There'll there, be right? master gardeners at the winter farmers markets. So in the Twin Cities here, uh, there's a lot of winter farmers markets. Yeah. You wouldn't think there's farmers markets in the winter, but there are. Uh, you know, they'll be selling things like potatoes and things like that, and squashes, but also some craft stuff. But there, there should be farmers, um, wonderful master gardeners at all of those markets. So if I can't answer your question, you know, you can find them. You can always also go to extension.umn.edu. Yep. And click on the garden and lawn tab or lawn and garden tab, whatever they're calling it. And Very good. Punch in there. Katie is calling in from Coon Rapids with a question. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Katie. Good morning, Teresa. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Teresa, what do I do? I, squirrels come to my bird feeder all the time, and I'm trying to keep them away, and I don't. Is there... Is there something I can do to keep them away or um, Sure. Uh, there's a few things. You can put a baffle on the bird feeder so the squirrels can't climb up. Understand they can jump from, you know, 15, 20, 400 feet away, <laughs> and they can power themselves through the air um, and, and jump uh, from trees and, and things like that. Um, you can also buy fancy bird food that has hot pepper flakes in it. Or you can just add some of your own to inexpensive bird food. And um, the squirrels often don't like that hot pepper and will leave it alone. You could also put some corn out in a different area and let them eat the corn. Um, let them know that that's where they can get their food in the, and uh, serve um, other things up in the bird feeders. Keep the bird feeders. You know, when the birds are going to be there, that's when you have them full. When the birds are done for the day or that means going out there twice a day, you know, early in the morning and later in the afternoon as they get their, their food early in the morning and later in the e- afternoon. Um, and then in the middle of the day, no feeders. But put peanuts and, and, and fun things for the squirrels uh, in a different spot. And hopefully then maybe the squirrels will leave it alone or just understand the little squirrels are going to be little pigs and they're going to take all the bird food out. <laughs> and they're kind of helping because they throw a bunch of seed on the ground, which then, you know, your your chickadees and your cardinals and things and other ground feeders that will come in your little, little, um, oh, brain just went blank there. Um, all your little um, juncos and things can jump on the ground and eat the seeds too. So, yeah. There's, you have some options. And there's, there's some pretty fancy feeders. And there's there some too. fancy feeders and, you know, and, and there, there's, you know, the Yankee flipper that kind of whips them around and that's <laughs> that can be amusing at times. Um, you know, and you, some people also will take like, um, what is that, the, the oh, it's that, that thing that slinkies and they'll put a slinky on the the pole of the feeder and the the it keeps stretching and the squirrels can't climb up it mm. so and if you put a, a, a you know a big a big fat um huge uh pole then they can't grasp it either so so there's things you can do that make it less pleasant for them and then feed them in other locations and good luck with that All right. <laughs> Teresa, the texter says uh, small norway pines how do you transplant well, I wouldn't do it now. 
I would wait until spring to do it. Uh, and and just uh, if you if you what you could have done earlier in the fall is uh, do a root pruning where you go around the tree, the tree in the area you think you're going to take next year, and you just cut straight down and you're cutting all the roots, and then new roots will grow inside of that cut, and it almost becomes like a container plant. You do that the season before you're going to move the plant. Then when you decide to move the plant, have the new location all ready for it. Cut the cut around, dig under the plant, lift it up, quickly bring it over to its new location and set it in. Uh, two or three days before you move the plant, give it a big drink of water so it's really plump, really hydrated before you move it. And then move it and water it in really well. Don't fertilize it for about two or three months. Okay. Another texter says this, Teresa, I planted bale, uh, I'm sorry, bald and burlapped. Black Hill spruce about six years ago. Mm-hmm. They've grown from five feet to roughly 14. This fall, I noticed mushrooms growing in a circle around the tree at the drip line, and they look like they're dying from the inside out. What could be wrong, and will they survive? Great okay. show. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, well, okay. First of all, mushrooms in the ground usually means something's decaying. So that means there's some roots or something that are decaying in there. Probably has nothing to do with what you're seeing at the trees. Next needles live only a certain amount of time. And if you look in any pine forest, any spruce forest, most of the trees are naked inside right by the trunk of the tree because those were old needles. They're not getting enough light. And all the growth is toward the outside. That's totally natural for trees to do that. You want to make sure, though, that when they were bald and burlap, that they did take the cases off, that they took the burlap off, that none of the burlap is left there and above ground, so it's wicking moisture away. Um, so just keep watering them. Um, they're a tougher plant. We're finding that they're not as tough as we'd hoped they were, but they're better than the Colorado blue spruce for our area. And um, and I wouldn't worry about the, the mushrooms you're seeing on the on the ground. That's just things that are dying on the ground. Um, Something underneath has died. Teresa, uh, the texter wants you to repeat the uh, idea, uh, the uh, website, and the uh, uh, best plant. Oh, yes. Uh, that... The best plants for 30 tough sites. And that was a book that Mary Myers um, shepherded. Uh, we master gardeners together in Minnesota, and then we put a bunch of different ideas out. So it's called The Best Plants for 30 Tough Sites. You can download the whole book. You can bookmark it. You can buy it at certain garden centers and uh, stores and things like that, or you can download it for free. And there's just great information on there. Um, there you know, a lot, most of the pages are one page per subject. Rain gardens get three pages because they're special. But um, you can, it gives you ideas of plants that can handle some of those weirder sites. So they, you can find it at various retail. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. The Hort Society has it. The Arboretum, Arboretum has it. Does, yeah. I'm sure the Minnesota Bookstore has it. The, the University Bookstore has it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. very good. Uh, will Dor- with dormant seeding tester says, and we're almost out of time. Are you supposed to scratch up the soil, or can you seed on top of soil? It's always got to be contact, though, right? Yeah, you want to have really good seed-to-soil contact. So I don't know if I'd be scratching up the soil, but I would make sure I'd go out there and stomp on it so you have really good seed-to-soil contact. And make, maybe the grass can be a little shorter in that And area. again, if uh, I'm looking at the forecast, if Thursday's forecast is accurate, we could get up to near 43. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Might be yep. a day for dormant Might be seating. a day for dormant seating. Or go to extension.umn.edu. Yeah, let's do that one more time. The uh, website yep. for the U of M. Extension.umn.edu. Excellent. Teresa, we're out of time. Good to Thank see you, you again. Good to see you, Danny. We'll see you down the road, I'm yeah. sure, I hope. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.